coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss Gerard Depard don't monitor me, France's decision to spy on its citizens through phones. Next up, are you afraid of the dark web? TV channel Nickelodeon confirms a recent data leak is legitimate. And our fun game, Gold Guidance and Grievances. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 160, recorded on July 10th, 2023. I'm your co-host, Callie, Slime Time Fencil. With me, co-host Taylor, Gak Attack, Wilkes Pierce, and last but not least, Ian, Le Tinfoil Royale Campbell. Welcome, everybody. Yay. Hello. Hello. Yay, we're all here. Uh, have, I don't know. Have we done this um, this com- combination before of, uh, of the three of us? I'm not sure. I think not for a while, yeah. I don't think. I think okay. early on. Okay. One of my first appearances, uh, I think, was with Tay, and uh, uh, then he had better things to do. So uh, that that first appearance must not have uh, uh, had a good impression. Well, Tay is kind of like always on the go, much like Carmen San Diego, <laughs> right? Am I am I getting that right? Maybe I'm misremembering it. Yeah, I am. Le- you know, I don't steal monuments. Uh- <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, we're uh, before we started recording, we talked about, you know, which of us is a Nickelodeon kid who is not. And um, overwhelmingly, I think that the TV just raised me is is what I'm finding out. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, like I I was down with some early, early double dare. And uh, if you know this one and you may not, because this may date me, you can't do that on television. That's one of the like one of the early, early Nick shows. And I so I'm nothing if not a pop culture historian. Um, So like I've read all about you can't do that on television. I don't remember actually watching it, but like. There's a great Nickelodeon documentary on, um, I think it's Hulu right now, The Orange Years. That's really good. And then I also, I, I think I actually finally returned it to my brother, but I have like a, like a, um, a book that's just like interviews with different kid celebrities from the 90s. So that's a, I, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called Slime Time Live. I, I'll have to look it up. That's amazing. That's a good pun, too, that I could have used. Slime Timeline. Yeah, like, I'm trying to, like, I was trying to think of a name for this episode, too, and I was like, Crime Time Live? Mm -hmm. Will people know what it means? I don't know. I think I'm teetering on that in Legends of the Hidden Data. There you go. Yeah. Legends Uh, in Temple, GAC, uh, or the the Guts show. I know Global Guts. Did you know one of the Backstreet Boys was on Global Guts? Well, it was all in Orlando. It was all filmed in Orlando, so it's yeah. not surprising that there's yeah <laughs> that that AJ would be on uh, on that show. But um, but yeah, you you guys are more PBS kids, right? Yeah, I was certainly raised more by PBS. I think I mentioned Carmen San Diego. <laughs> That's probably for the best, right? 
<laughs> a lot of yeah. It's a, in terms of TV, it was uh, part GI Joe and part Murder She Wrote. Ooh. Okay, Murder She Wrote. I was an unsolved mysteries kid myself. Oh heck yeah! Yeah, I was watching. Nights. Like I want to solve those mysteries. I I actually watched a little yesterday because I was curious. Like because it's on the Roku channel, and I'm just like. I can't believe I watched this as a nine-year-old kid. Like, this is pretty scary. <laughs> I think the Unsolved Mysteries to True Crime Podcast listener pipeline is real. That is, that's so true. And it's accurate. Um, but maybe, I yeah, this is fun. I could talk about this all day. Um, but I, we should probably talk about our articles, right? Yeah, probably. Okay, I guess we won't. (laughs) (laughs) That was a resounding uh, uh, declaration. We'll have to... Someday we're going to have our offshoot podcast where we talk about TV and movies forever. But uh, And we will... I'm I'm saving the Nickelodeon uh, for the closing uh, article. But we'll we'll kick it off with uh, Gerard Depardieu monitor me... Uh, on, so on July 5th, France's parliament made the decision that French police should be able to spy on citizens remotely through their phones if suspected of breaking the law. Um, I guess first and foremost, uh, I just want to, I'm a little too pleased with my pun there. Um, have you seen any Gerard Depardieu movies, Ian? Oh, <laughs> um... I'm sure I've seen one or two, but I, I can't actually remember what they were. I can't either. I'm just I'm just pleased I remembered his name. <laughs> um, so, Ian, do you know the history of this decision? Like, and and if so, can can you share an abridged version of how France got to this point? So France lagged behind other countries as far as legally authorized technology uh, surveillance goes. Um, It's important to recognize the distinction, though, between legislation lag and capability gap. Uh, France is already a pretty sophisticated actor as far as surveillance goes. Interesting. Okay. So this scenario states that police would be able to monitor, you know, quote unquote, suspected criminals. But I'm assuming that there there are no concrete guidelines on what would make somebody, quote unquote, suspicious. Am I right in that thinking? Yeah, that's a great question. I had to do some digging between multiple articles to really understand what's being proposed, and I'm not even uh, 100% on it yet. Um, it's speculative at this point so far, so that's that's one of the reasons it's hard to pin down uh, since a final bill hasn't been passed. But some pushback appears to have caused them to require judicial authorization, so similar to warrant uh, authorization as in the U.S., though it's worth noting that Warrant authorization is barely more than a rubber stamp in most cases. Um, crimes involved need to be serious, which apparently is defined as punishable by five years or more in prison. But suspected does seem to be uh, pretty nebulous. So I'm hoping someone can set me straight on that requirement. It's also a, a significant concern at this point, given all the protests in France, that 
um, instead of uh, violent crimes or uh, national security stuff, that uh, this is specifically geared to uh, aim at protesters, um, which is, uh, again, speculation right now, but I think it's an important worry. I love to wildly speculate. So, so we are, we are on brand here. Um, but yeah, that's, that's good that I'm also in line with, uh, that suspicion seems to be nebulous at this point. So if any listeners, you know, especially, you know, if you are in France listening to this, it'd be very interesting to, uh, to get some feedback on, on what that means for, for the rest of us to, to understand. Um, And so, Ian, the article also states that authorities would be able to collect geolocation details, but are is anything else, you know, up for grabs um, in terms of, you know, what what data they're collecting? Like I'm thinking, you know, what about a person's, you know, contact list or pictures and videos or their notes? Um, You know, is is all of that um, subject for for monitoring as well? Yeah, it sounds like full device compromises on the table. Geolocation, remote activation of microphone and camera, access to contents. There are some vague gestures as to keeping the surveillance proportionate to the suspected crime and a time limitation of six months at most, though presumably law enforcement would just need to reapply for judicial review to continue the surveillance uh, after that point. Uh, Again, this is all super vague. And we know that uh, in in the vague, in the in-between is where uh, rights often get uh, exploited. So that's, that's definitely a concern. In the in between, just like in the Lovely Bones, are you? It's another movie reference. Anybody familiar? No. No. Nope. nope. Just me. Just me. Just me. A teenage girl reading the Lovely Bones. Okay. <laughs> um, that's fine. That's. I'm totally used to it. Um, this plan is meant to, you know, as and I'm quoting from the article here. Um, is meant to bring up to speed the out-of-date French justice system with those of its EU's, EU neighbors. And, you know, I, you know, obviously I can't keep up with absolutely everything that's going on everywhere in the world. Um, that would mean I was, you know, probably going insane. Um, but I haven't heard anything like this coming from anywhere else in the EU. Um, and again, totally possible that I am out of touch, but are there other countries in the EU passing legislation like this? So I think part of the timeliness that we need to reflect on here is, again, the protests that are uh, occurring in France right now. I think that there's a national security implication to that. Um, I think there's a national security implication to some uh, around uh, those protests, and that's being used as a vehicle to move forward uh, with some deeper legislation uh, that may not be in citizens' best interests and uh, um, will have to be uh, looked at pretty closely. In terms of other countries in the region, the UK is much more like the US in that warrants are generally required and surveillance has to be proportionate and necessary, along with the legislature-approved uh, retention of bulk data in case they want to collect it 
later. Um, I'm using scary air quotes there because uh, governments tend to argue that they don't collect anything until they actually look at it, until they uh, pull it out of those uh, bulk data sets and analyze it. Um, similar to the UK, Spain has enacted technological surveillance in the wake of both terrorist activity and civil unrest. Uh, Scandinavian countries tend to be a little more guarded at lower levels of law enforcement, while the higher level security services often have pretty, uh, pretty easy access to whatever they want. Okay, I see. Do you, and this was not necessarily on the outline, but do you think like this is a way collecting this data it's a way to avoid having unsolved mysteries, perhaps. Is that maybe my grasping at straws? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's a pretty uh, okay. pretty deep stretch for Italian, but uh, yeah, I think I, I mean uh, France is starting or not necessarily starting, but moving further forward in um, what a lot of uh, 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 a lot of countries on the same level as them uh, already routinely do. So in some senses, I I don't think it's a huge emergency and I don't think it's um, the um, the biggest rights crisis out there because um, obviously uh, I I just sort of be casting stones from a country that pretty routinely does a lot worse. So it definitely bears watching and bears fighting because it can pretty easily creep. But um, yeah, uh, there's there's some validity validity to it, but there's also validity to the to the criticism. Okay, gotcha. So it's grasping grasping at straws a little bit. It you know. It's just as, you know, likely that, you know, Robert Stack's ghost comes back and solves the mysteries for us. Um, so so I, I believe you mentioned earlier that this hasn't actually been passed yet. So so is there hope that it could die in Parliament? I don't think there's hope that it could die in Parliament. I think uh, the final bill hasn't been passed, but it looks like it has enough support. Right now, they're working out some specifics, including some moderate limitations being proposed by Macron's party. Um, so we'll we'll see what comes out uh, of uh, committee after that. But uh, I, it sounds from the analysis like it's a done deal. Okay, I see what you mean. Um so do we do we have any indication on the timing of of when that might be passed or uh, is that just still kind of up in the air at this point? That is a great question that I don't have an answer for. <laughs> uh, again, French listeners, if you are listening to this right now uh, and I cannot remember any of my high school French to put it in your <laughs> to put it in the language. But if you are listening to this, we would love to to have more information. Um so is is there anything that citizens can could do for themselves? So uh, the article mentions if uh, that VPN services and encrypted messaging apps won't help if this becomes law. So is there anything else that a citizen could do to, to maintain their privacy, especially when, you know, we're saying that uh, so, like a lot of this language is pretty nebulous. Uh, it's It seems like you, you might have to be watching yourself uh, as, as closely as possible. 
I think there's two important principles at work here. The first is that if a nation state wants access to your device, they're going to get access to your device, um, especially at the nation state level. That's that's just going to happen. I, I don't think if there's a um, if they're committed to it, that there's much that anyone can do other than throw away their devices. Um, the second principle is that just like with criminal actors, there are steps that you can take that raise the cost to compromise your device and your communications. And those steps affect the decision making involved in whether the effort is worth it or not. Um, things like lockdown mode on iOS or enabling developer uh, developer mode and utilizing some of those options in Android, um, along with good digital security hygiene. Um, I've been spending the past year or so experimenting with the options available uh, for enabling privacy just at a consumer level. And the personal frustration and opportunity cost has gone way down in recent years. Um, uh, moving away from consumer services that are addicted to exploiting user data is another great way to slim down your own surface and improve your privacy. So it, it's mostly the same common sense steps that you would do if it was a criminal threat. That makes, that makes sense. Thanks, Ian. Um, so I think this leads into, um, you know, our, our final step of, you know, discussing our article. And if you're a new listener, um, we end each uh, topic uh, where we give um, a hoodie rating. And if you're not familiar with the hoodie rating, it is from, one to 10, where 10 is, you know, the worst situation possible. And one is, you know, this is, you know, just a, just another day, not nothing too bad. Uh, and we say hoodies as the stereotypical hacker in a hoodie uh, image that comes to mind when we think of, uh, you know, bad actors. Um, so maybe Taylor, we'll start with you. Um, having, you know, listened to all of you know, this information, um, how would you rate um, this story that's developing? Yeah, it's tricky because I don't know that like hoodies uh, necessarily apply <laughs> here. Um, goodie certainly doesn't really apply either. You know, you think about the, you know, Ian mentioned a few times the kind of um, the zeitgeist surrounding this in France is more around the current ongoing internal like unrest um, that's kind of defining some of this stuff. And we think about the laws that were on the books here in the States that kind of govern this. Those, a lot of those were kind of born in the early aughts uh, in response to like global war on terror stuff. Right. So it's, <laughs> uh, it feels a little bit different when that's the thing that's driving it. And it's an internal domestic thing where it's like, Hey, we're going to do broad collection and then get broad powers on rooting thing. Cause also, you know, we're in a mobile landscape now. So having provisions for like pulling that data off of devices or getting that, you know, um, getting the ability to tap those devices, uh, at least like in like for the internal purposes beyond kind of what these capabilities are being deployed for by these actors or by these, I'd say these states today. Um, you know, I think it's a, a totally different level of focus and has a, it's, uh, certainly is a lot more concerning, uh, or is very concerning, right? So I don't know on the, on the scale of like one to 10, if I was a French citizen, I'd be really, really, uh, weary of this, uh, you know, having seen the, what we've, the aftermath of the last couple of decades of, you know, this type of creeping, um, 
you know, kind of lack of privacy on devices or, or by citizens in other places in the world. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So uh, would you prefer not to put a number on it? <laughs> uh, let's go like, I don't know, eight and a half, nine. Yeah, it's it's high, right? <laughs> or at least like, hey, you need to be paying attention to it, right? Because there's um, a lot of ways this stuff can be abused really quickly. I guess really quickly. And I don't know if we know the answer to this either. But, you know, like, I think when you said if you're a French citizen, that's what got me thinking, like, what it like, what does it mean for tourists that are that are coming to France? Like, does that mean when, when you're a, Boy, a visitor? Of the- let me tell you about about what Customs and Border Patrol can do with your devices when you're coming. Oh, geez. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. It's. It's always interesting working uh, on a security operations team because one of the things that we have to do is when an employee is going to work from somewhere different than their uh, home country, um, they have to um, uh, give us a shout and um, see, and we have to evaluate the country that they're going to be in. And there are some interesting uh, calculations that have to go into that because it's not just, you know, is it a friendly country or a hostile country? country it's okay uh you know what's the uh, uh the sophistication level are they known to do ssl interception are they known to seize devices at the border and it, it's always interesting to me because i do these write-ups uh, for uh for security and i i post them uh publicly on our internal wiki so that people can always see um why we accepted or rejected a specific country um but it's always interesting to me because if i was evaluating the us on the same rubric it would be like there would be some serious concerns that uh, I would not want someone to work from there if they were, you know, I, I wouldn't want them to bring their work laptop there if they were traveling because of uh, stuff like Customs and Border Patrol. So it's it, it it's always a, a weird and sort of ironic position to be in. Oh, wow. Yeah, we I'm sure we could we could go on about this for a while. Um but, but, you know, we only have so much time. So, um, Ian, are, are you feeling similarly to, to Tay over here? What do you, would you say eight and a half or nine hoodies uh, for, for this particular story? I, I think I'd go about six right now uh, just because of how sophisticated uh, France is in terms of uh, technology mm-hmm. with a potential for it to go to a, a much higher hoodie rating. Okay. Excellent. Well... You know, not that the second story we're talking about is, you know, any it, we're talking about a breach. So it's also serious, but we're talking about Nickelodeon. <laughs> so we're going to go from uh, from something very serious to something also serious. But it's uh, it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. And it is Taylor's article, which is uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark Web? Um, which is, you know, Nickelodeon has confirmed that the data leaked from an alleged breach of the company is legitimate, uh, but some of it appears to be decades old. And again, I am just over here just bleeding orange for Nickelodeon. Um, so, um, Taylor, what what do we know about the leak thus far? Um, 
is the data in question about customers or is it more related to the content of that Nickelodeon has or had? Yeah, so kind of good news, bad news. Good news doesn't seem like customer data is in the leak right now. Bad news, tons of uh, production data is, uh, is being leaked out on not only super old stuff, but you know some more current stuff as well. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a decent chunk of data that's out there in the wild. I actually, I, I had to look at a second article to, to try to learn more about this because, um, again, super intrigued by it. Um, and some one article had mentioned that a lot of it is SpongeBob related. And I'm just like, what is there? What is it about SpongeBob that uh, people are like chomping at the bit for? <laughs> That's a great question. That is one like SpongeBob definitely missed me <laughs> completely. Oh my gosh, I, I I was a big SpongeBob girl. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fair. I, I mean, there's a lot of got, it, right? It's it started in the '90s until think, now, so maybe that's why there's. So I much. think I was ten or eleven, maybe when SpongeBob started. Um, so you know, I was. I don't have it anymore. I had a big old SpongeBob pillow, SpongeBob figurines. Um, what else? Mm-hmm. So Taylor, established motive. What do you? <laughs> Taylor, were you a Ren and Stimpy fan? Um, you know, I it was it was tough because I would only get to watch that at like because it would come on late at night. Yes, right? um, I would really only catch that like once in a super blue moon. I watched Ren gotcha. and Stimpy um, as like a six or seven year old. And I turned out okay-ish. <laughs> no, I look. I like the work that Ish is doing there. It's doing a whole lot of work, Ian. Um, but you know what? I think it made me who I am today. So, <laughs> <laughs> so back to Lily. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, uh, I guess yeah. Back to the leaks. So, so. <laughs> I guess, yeah, like this kind of leads into the next question of, you know, so it's, it's yeah. you know, from what I'm finding on, on different articles, because I'm bouncing around a bit, is, um, you know, what I'm seeing is, okay, it's it, a lot of it is SpongeBob related. That doesn't mean it's all SpongeBob. But what would be the purpose of stealing data from the animation department that's decades old? Like, is there is there significant money to be made from a leak like this? You know, I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case, but you also get these groups of, of folks. Like if you look at the folks that were running around the Microsoft Xbox networks for a long time in the aughts um, and, and, you know, kind of snagging pre-release images of games, there's like a prestige kind of thing to it, an internal clout Um you know, this stuff ended up on like some Discord servers initially and then has kind of... Um, spiraled out from there obviously but they're saying hey this there were folks that um you know had a couple months worth of access and it might just be the level of access that they got to that it's a lot easier to get to these resources internally that they're not especially if they're older maybe they have their policies haven't been touched in a long time and there may be you know kind of easy ways to pivot over to them and snag the data out of it maybe that's what they care about right it's like you know, we saw lots of images of games uh, come out of the Microsoft leaks and, you know, plans for Xbox and things like that. We didn't see like a lot of Bill Gates emails come out of it because the folks were just more interested on the other side. Of it. You know, if I were a hacker, 
and I did this, like, mm-hmm. um, I would be so so my whole beef with Nickelodeon is like there's a lot of stuff that I liked from the 90s that they don't release or mm-hmm. or they do release but like it's watered down and it's they don't include the music that went with it because of you know all oh, the rights are yeah. yeah so like yeah. did did either of you watch Pete and Pete growing up the adventures of Pete and Pete a little bit, a not little much. Bit, a little bit, yeah. Like that's like one where like a lot of really good music is is on that show. And then I don't, for some reason, they won't release the third season. There were three seasons. You could get the first two on DVD, which uh-huh. I own, um, but you can, you can't <laughs> find the third season to save your life. And I'm like, if I was a hacker, and yeah. I'm not, but if I was. <laughs> This is, I'm like, you know what? We're- that's just what you want us to do. Yeah. Think. I, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's a, a, an active argument right now, Kelly. Um, that I'm, it's, that I'm it's a hacker? Fascinating. No, 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 no. We already know that you're a hacker. Yeah, we know. Uh, but uh, um, in in uh, pirating uh, communities, that's an active uh, and other creative communities. That's an active argument because you've got a whole bunch of uh uh, television and media properties that are purposely retiring favored series for tax breaks rather than releasing them on streaming, on DVD, anything like that. Um, if they actually fully retire the property, they can pull tax breaks on it, what? which is causing a bunch of people to pirate them. It's it's amazing. This is news to me. And I, <laughs> oh, my goodness, like. And, and like the uh, that's so interesting and it's so funny too because like I think it was just last week my my I have an older brother also heavy Nickelodeon 90s kid and he's like oh well, thank god we bought Pete and Pete on DVD when we did because now it's like $150 on Amazon like you you cannot get this stuff that easily and the other interesting thing that I love like for a hot minute in like 2014 roku had like a pirated nickelodeon channel where you could watch all the old shows and see all the old commercials and i was just living it up you guys in my apartment like i was just like and then one day it was all gone because you know copyright infringement and all of that but i've given a shout out to this before but betamaximus.com around christmas time uh, is uh, some someone's got a bunch of VHS tapes of '80s uh, like Christmas cartoons, and <laughs> they've got them on a like a. I wonder if it's still there. I hope it's still there. It's been around for a long time. That sounds lovely. Uh, uh, Beta Maximus is still there. Betamaximus.com. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and you can kind of like change the channels, and it's got a Ferris Bueller poster. Yeah, Betamaximus.com. If you if anyone's old enough, remember Betamax Ooh. as a physical. Uh, medium (laughs) i'm interested in that and i think others will be as well so we will be including them in the show notes (laughs) so um again back to the task at hand uh taylor so the information available makes it seem like nickelodeon is kind of unsure of how this occurred um do you you know, I, I know you had quickly mentioned, uh, you know, maybe security practices are out of date. But, you know, do you have any other speculations on on how a breach like this could have happened? 
Yeah, there was an interview with someone who uh, was kind of speaking with some knowledge of the event <laughs> in an anonymous uh, fashion. And so they said, hey, the leak, they're saying the leak occurred in January. Um, but like apparently folks have been getting in through a vulnerability in a Viacom login portal or correct guessing of a password and username, right? There's lots of like password reuse. Um, so maybe they were able to gain access to some, again, level of this data that wouldn't get them any higher, um, which might explain why they only have stuff that's really old. Or, you know, maybe there's a lot more access and we just haven't seen it yet. They maybe choose to drop here. But it, it does feel closer to, um, you know, uh, like folks who are trying to pull this data and, and, and like just put it out there for clout more than um, negatively impacting stuff. Right. Uh, or like trying to, right? It's not like you know, ransomware or anything um, at this point. But Well, I'm kind of, um, I think that kind of leads into my next question, which is, you know, I'm surprised that some of this, you know, was available for, you know, you know, it's, it's able to be, you know, accessed after all this time. Yeah. Because I was, you know, I was thinking like the way that, you know, content you know, would have been saved in the, you know, late 80s, early 90s is different than how we do it today. So um, what what do you think this means for content companies moving forward? Like what's what's the best way to handle old, an older content catalog to, to to protect it from redistribution? Uh, you put it, you save it all in one hard drive and then you just use a magnet and fry it. <laughs> No, it does. It is really interesting. I would not have predicted a few years ago that like production companies would make full movies or or seasons of things and then just not put them out there or like pull them back. I it, the I, I truly did not anticipate um, uh, the producersing of the entire uh, <laughs> like entertainment industry. Uh, you know where they get these tax breaks for showing that you did losses on things and it's worthy enough to like, you know, not release like a whole Batgirl movie or something. Right. Like, um, yeah, you're just not going to release. Are you afraid of the darks cry baby lane on VHS or not VHS on DVD? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you're making me feel all sorts of strong feelings today with that. uh, uh, Now with that reference to the Batgirl movie. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I, you know, it's one of those things where it's a, maybe maybe we didn't get this level of visibility into operations before the stuff, um, you know, because I know there are like joke movies that were done back in the day to like keep the rights to things. Um, like what? Like so, what? Oh, what's gosh, a good one? There's like a terrible final or not final four, uh, Fantastic Four, I think, um, and there's like a uh, Avengers. Uh, like from the 90s that, um, yeah. So I I don't know if either of you have watched The Wheel of Time on Amazon Prime, but there was a, uh, um, God, like a decade ago, there was one uh, pilot episode of a Wheel of Time show produced like a decade ago to uh, keep the rights in someone's hands. Interesting. I also... I don't know if this is anything, but I noticed on Disney Plus right now, like they've got like all of their old, old uh, cartoons, like the skeletons dancing. I forget what that's called. But like my my husband goes, oh, look at them making an attempt to be like, see, we're still using it. 
Uh, some of those are new, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you you have kids, so you know. Yep. Yeah, the kids are going through that all the time. <laughs> is it is it any good? I uh, out of the corner of my eye, seems better than it. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like they because we were uh, like they. It seems like they're doing a lot of that stuff, that old style, retro style stuff. I like that. I'm yeah. gonna check that out. Okay. So Tay. Yeah. Sh- yeah. <laughs> should, should content companies you know, look at breaches like this and, you know, reconsider business practices. And I kind of feel like, you know, knowing what we know now about tax breaks, I don't know, but, yeah. you know. Uh, Write your senator. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, so, yeah. So my my initial question before I knew what I know now is, you know, we, we know that redistribution of copyright protected intellectual property is bad. But, you know, doesn't it say that there's stuff out there that people want to see so badly they're they're going to these lengths to get it. But, you know, knowing what we know now, it might impact your answer. (laughs) Yeah, I think if you look at like the video game industry also deals with this a lot, too, where, um, you know, there's a definitely a preservation aspect to folks that are trying to keep. Um, you know, discs uh, or stuff like executables and, and, and files and stuff from uh, early, early games, uh, you know, keeping them in environments that can run. And there's like, if, I think FreeDOS.com, there's a few stuff, there are a few sites out there that have some of maybe the, um, <laughs> maybe they're just like, everyone has to just click a thing that says they have the floppy disk at home somewhere and then they can use it. <laughs> I don't know uh, what the legality of that stuff is, but this certainly, you know, has been grappled with on the like digital side, um, pure digital side, but certainly the old historical stuff that we from a pre-digital era. Um, you know, I, I think the folks who are hanging on to that data, um, you know, clearly in this case, Nickelodeon probably wishes they had uh, better access control to it, but it's also so old that, you know, it, you know, it, it's like, yeah. You know, how, how do they keep that stuff safe forever? It's tricky. Yeah. Super tricky. So, um, I don't think I saw anything that mentions, you know, who is behind this. So we, you know, we don't we probably don't know, but again, to wildly speculate, do you, do you have thoughts on who might be behind this? Probably somebody within our age bracket. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, uh, no, probably younger. <laughs> you think younger? All the hackers are young these days. They're all, all the kids are getting, it's, I, it's, but you know, it's like, uh, it's more of a clout thing. Like, Hey, look what I pulled. Um, I don't, I don't know. I would be shocked if this was some like rogue SpongeBob fan. Um, I just, I feel like it's got like, you know, twist. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just, I'm getting an image of like an anonymous video, but instead of the Guy Fox mask, they have a Mark Summers mask. Oh my God. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. My quick story is like Double Dare, like once came to like the mall nearby here. And like my brother made my parents wait in line for hours to like do like the double dare thing and then like he got up there and then got shy and didn't want to do it (laughs) oh man good times good times anyway so 
I have kind of a feeling uh, of what the hoodie rating might be on this, uh, Taylor and Ian. But um, Ian, we'll we'll start with you. Um, you know, given all the information you have, uh, what how, like how how dangerous would you say an attack like this is? Well, uh, I'll tell you what I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say it's a five. Really. I'm going to say it's a five because of it, it, it's a, a fantastic deep cut into old cyberpunk lore that I'll share now. Now, um, uh, one of the uh, early cyberpunk novels, Neuromancer by William Gibson, um, uh, one of the significant parts of that novel is what's called a run, you know, a, a, um, action uh, by the hacker and the operative, so Case and Molly, against SenseNet, which is a media conglomerate. They go into SenseNet. Their goal is specifically to go into SenseNet's uh, archive to get a bunch of stuff. Or actually, in, in this case, to get what's called a construct, which is uh, more or less an AI that was programmed specifically off an old hacker who's now dead. But um, there's also talk in the novel about how they could, while they were in there, steal all the uh, upcoming programming from SenseNet and sell it and make a fortune. But they're not going to do that because they're only going in for the construct. But that it's such a deep uh, cyberpunk cut, this, you know, uh, uh, shadow run on a uh, media conglomerate, I'm going to give it a five. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Perfect. Taylor, do you feel similarly? <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's a great connection. I hadn't thought uh, that I hadn't thought that about that one. I'm a little lower. I'm going to go like a three. It does, you know, this is, uh, you know, it, it, it definitely, it seems like if there was damage to be done, it might have like beyond like impacting a release schedule or, you know, the, like the, not saying that there's not a lot of impact from this. Right. Um, but on the infosec side, I don't know that this is, you know, something we're going to be talking about for a long time. You know, there may be no. production companies that may, may feel like, I wish they hadn't dumped all of that data. Um, but yeah, it does seem like it's not uh, something where like all the media companies are getting dumped out. I just will take any opportunity to talk about vintage Nickelodeon that are available. To I think we me. had to do it. I think we had, to. We, I know I'm like, I'm talking about it. I'm yeah, for sure. Well, well, cool. Thank you. Uh, thank you to both of you for uh, for your articles today. Um, both very interesting for different reasons. Um, but why don't we get into our last segment before we exit today, which is, you know, talking about, you know, our gold guidance and grievances. Uh, and for, you know, those, you know, who are newer again, uh, we're just going to take a moment Um you know, and uh, Ian and Taylor will talk about, you know, anything that they found valuable advice wise, um, any any guidance, um, you know, for for anybody within the industry and, you know, anything that's, you know, grinding their gears uh, as a grievance. Um, so, Ian, would you like to start us off? Absolutely. Um, I, I have a good one that actually just came in right before the podcast. 
my goals today is going to be the Massachusetts legislature, which is uh, uh, kind of a, a, a cheap goal since that's where I'm from and uh, that's where I live. But my goal is for the Massachusetts legislature because the Wall Street Journal just reported that they're working on a near ban on the buying and selling of location data from consumer mobile devices in the state, along with a warrant requirement for law enforcement even uh, to uh, uh, access location data, even if it's purchased privately. Um, so I'm, uh, you know, being a, a privacy uh, nut, I'm, I'm super psyched about that. Yes. Right. All right. My, my guidance is uh, going to be a principle for everyone to remember, which is every time you make it harder for a data broker to get your data, a cyber angel gets its wings. <laughs> Perfect. And my grievance is going to be a simple one. It's just humidity. I, I'm experiencing that as well in the Midwest. It's okay. Yeah, it, it's just the worst. It, it's absolutely the worst. It's, uh, you know, somebody I knew once, uh, like, I, I'm like, oh, it's kind of like soupy out here. And he was like, oh, I kind of feel like it's like getting a hug. So it's it's kind of like, I guess, you know, how you want to look at it. What creepy kind of hugs does that guy give out? <laughs> I have no further questions. <laughs> but I will, I will um, tell you that Seattle is normally, there's a lot of uh, humidity, but we, we're very dry uh, in the summertime. So Ooh. come on, come on for a visit, y'all. Oh, okay. Perfect. Well, uh, is that... Is that your gold, Taylor? <laughs> that's, that's my Come to Seattle. Oh, gold is uh, Beta Maximus. Go to betamaximus.com. Bookmark it. Wait for December like 5th of, of this year and then go back to it and throw on and see uh, Ninja Turtles uh, 80s cartoons with 80s commercials. Yes. <laughs> All Christmas I will. Yeah. Um, let's see. Things grinding my gears is, uh, you know, the there's a, a Linux kernel flaw called StackRot that uh, was released. Hopefully, the impact will be pretty minimal. Lines um, <laughs> himself got in there, did some coding. Uh, it's all fine. Linux is fine. <laughs> Fixed it. Uh, but it's annoying that a POC was released really early on, like, well, like, it's just, yeah. <laughs> researchers could just slow down sometimes um, and let folks get patches out. That would be great. Gotcha. Do you have any guidance for people? Or was is that Ma Beta Maximus's guidance? That's guidance, yeah. It was guidance. Yeah. It's goal, but also guidance to bookmark it and set a yes. calendar reminder for December 5th. Per oh, I see. I see how you did that. Yeah. Perfect. I'm going to do that. And I, I mean it like with my whole heart that I'm going back there. <laughs> We should have a watch party. Yeah, we're in. We should. And then you eat your classic like cereal with it. I can't remember what it's sugar cookie crunch is what I like. Wow. During during the Christmas season. It's like they sell it at they at least sell it at Target in like a giant box. And then I eat it kind of by myself because I'm the only one in this house that likes it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um yeah, that would probably be my gold and guidance. I don't really know. Like, as the host, I guess I make my own rules. I could play if I wanted to. Um, 
But yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm running this. So that's my gold and guidance. You go get that cereal and then you eat it all yourself. And then my grievance, I don't know what my grievance is. I don't really have like an info set grievance um, right now. Oh, another uh, guide or gold and guidance is, you know, uh, tune into the Ashley Madison documentary uh, featuring some very prevalent um, figures in InfoSec, um, including Brian Krebs. Um, and then, Ian, uh, did you watch the the documentary? Maybe you can remind me on the other figures that were in it, because there were, I think there were a handful. I have not watched you it yet, watch it. Troy, 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 uh, It's on my Troy list. Troy Hunt is also in it. And uh, he's got all our passwords. Yeah. <laughs> Danielle, Danielle, is it Citron or Citron? Like, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. So I apologize for, for bungling that. But yeah, yeah, I've, I've watched it in one sitting um, because, again, the um, Unsolved Mysteries to True Crime pipeline is very short. Um, <laughs> but no, it's a very well done documentary. It gets to the point of things very quickly. It's it's engaging. Um, it's just three parts. And I, I just feel like I maybe that's my grievance is um so I watched the American Gladiators documentary earlier in the week, and that's five parts, and it doesn't need to be five parts. It could also be three parts, if we're all being honest. <sighs> I remember that show. That was that was my favorite show back in the day. I have no idea why, but they made you a I think I just wanted to shoot tennis balls at people. <laughs> All right. Well, this this has been really fun, you guys. I, I appreciate you hanging out with me on this week's podcast. Thanks for coming to the table with your gold guidance and grievances. And thank you to our listeners for, for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And we hope you have a great rest of your week. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Bye. everybody. Bye, everybody. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at DomainTools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.